0: World. Welcome to the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Here's your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. Welcome back, my friend, to another episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show, and I am finally excited about bringing you this episode. I have had a desire to create a podcast episode devoted to the practices of self-care because. It's something that has been so beneficial to me, understanding the prioritization of my own self-care, making time to make sure my needs are met before I go out trying to meet the needs of everyone around me. And I noticed that it's been a huge issue with a lot of clients that I've worked with. And so I went to work, I created an outline of seven self-care practices for self-employed individuals. And as I outlined this content, I recorded it, like I recorded what I thought was going to be this episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft show two full times. And each time I'm like, this is not coming out the way that I want it to come out. So I figured I know what I'll do. I'm going to schedule a live stream. I'll do it in front of a live audience. And I did that. But then it ended up being an hour and 40 minutes. And I realized that that live stream, I still went into way more tangents and side roads, and I went way overboard on explaining some things multiple times, and I'm like, wow, I don't like how that came out at all. So it's been sitting on my desktop here for a couple of days now, and I was about ready to just either delete it, or I was going to release it as an episode of the Train With Cliff Audio Journal, unedited and just say, hey, this was originally going to be for the Cliff Ravenscraft show, but I went on way too long. But my great friend, Liz Dekel, let me just tell you, Liz Dekel is such a wonderful woman. Her and her husband, Brian, live in New Zealand. They are a fantastic couple that I've gotten to know incredibly well. They have a podcast, by the way, it's called It's a Drama. You can find it over at itsadrama.com. Absolutely awesome couple. Liz happens to be one of my Next Level Mastermind members, and she's like, hey Cliff, in our mastermind group, you mentioned that outline that you created for self-care, and I'm waiting, I've been waiting for days for you to release this, when can I get it? And I told her, I said, ah, oh, you know, it, I said it's available on live stream." she goes, I know, but I don't wanna pay that YouTube premium so I can download the thing and take it with me on one of my road trips, and I'm like, okay, I get it, and I said, I'll do this for you, so because of Liz, You are about ready to hear what you're about ready to hear. So Liz Deacle from itsadrama.com. It's because of her that you are hearing this in the Cliff Ravenscraft show. What was originally one hour and 40 minutes in length is now one hour and four minutes in length. So I took out 35 minutes of fluff. And of course, there's this intro and there's going to be a little bit of outro, but still. Thank you, Liz. Everyone thanks you, and here, without any further ado, are the seven practices of self-care for self-employed individuals. So today, what I want to talk about is the topic of self-care. In fact, the title of this message is Inner Peace, Seven Essential Self-Care Practices for the Busy Self employed professional. The reason why this topic is so important to me right now is because just at the end of last year, I had a number of one on one coaching conversations and facilitated a couple of mastermind group meetings where the hot seats for the individuals involved, their greatest obstacles and struggles were the result of the lack of self-care practices in their daily and or weekly routines. And I've gotta tell you that I have experienced a lack of self-care in each of these seven essential areas from time to time, and there are very few times, even though I'm as intentional as I encourage others to be at times, it just seems like You might be shocked about this, but I'm not perfect, and there are times where I let the ball drop in a pretty significant way in certain areas of these self-care practices, but what I have learned, and there have been seasons of my life where all seven of these seem to be flowing pretty effortlessly from me, not because it happened overnight, it happened over the course of sustained effort and will. When I have all seven of these practices, it seems like life just flows. And when some of these, and it, it, it's very seldom that I have all seven flow for an incredibly long period of time, but occasionally something will happen in my external circumstances. My focus will be drawn to what's happening in the outside Of course, I allowed myself to remain focused on external circumstances, and we'll talk about this thing that happened in 2020. Some of you may have heard of it. It was a global lockdown called shelter in place. That was one thing that was in the external that fully captivated my attention, and I went all in on the attention, and also it disrupted two significant routines within my life, and I haven't quite bounced all the way back on those. And so, let me just jump straight in, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to go practice by practice of these seven essential self-care practices and share with you my experience with each of them individually. So, practice number one, regular exercise. Now, I know many of you have heard my story of my entrepreneurial journey, how I went from a lifetime of a employee, transitioned into my own full-time self-employed journey. This was back in January 2008, 15 years ago. And when I became full-time self-employed, I did not know what I didn't know about being a business owner. I had all sorts of limiting beliefs about pricing, and I charged nothing, nowhere near enough for me to provide for myself and my family in those first few months but even still I didn't know about marketing on online business I didn't know about all of these other things I, I was generating about three to five thousand dollars a month when I was doing this part-time and I just figured hey if I just devote the first 40 hours of my work week to doing this, gosh how much more money would I be generating and the answer to that question is, not a whole lot more with the n- amount of knowledge and experience and the the emotional limiting beliefs that I had at the time. It's just like I had so many things to overcome. And so what happened in my first year of business, for the first nine months, I worked 12 to 14 hours a day seven days a week without a single day off. Then after nine months, I decided, you know what? It's time for me to start taking a day a week off. For me to be able to take that extra day off or that day off every week, I did so by committing to myself that I would work more hours during the other six days of the week. And so yes, during the last three months of 2008, I was averaging about three to four hours of sleep, and the rest was all work, and very little time of actually taking a full break for lunch or dinner. Many times that would be having lunch or dinner at my desk. I'm not proud of any of that, quite frankly. It was all because of my beliefs, and as a result of the fact that my days consisted of getting out of bed, grabbing something quick to eat in the kitchen, walking down a set of stairs, working until lunchtime, going up, grabbing something out of the kitchen, and bringing it down to my office— and then working until dinner time, sometimes having dinner with the family, which required a walk up the stairs, or walking up the stairs, not having dinner with the family, and going back down to my office with food. And then at the end of the day, finally going back upstairs, calling it a day and going to bed, sometimes around one or two o'clock in the morning. Now, I want you to imagine that routine six or seven days a week. Think about, the fact that there was no practice, no routine of daily physical activity. I was just all in on being of service to others at the highest level. I had this belief that if I could just serve enough people even with the low amounts that I'm charging people, but if I would just serve, I, at some way it's all going to come back to me because life is all about putting other people's needs above and beyond my own. And if I could just put up with this self-sacrifice long enough, eventually it's going to come back to me. Well, I, there is a lot to be said for serving others at the highest level. I still have that as one of my highest values in life, of being of service at the highest level. But no longer do I have the value that life is all about putting other people's needs before my own. In fact, quite the opposite. Today, I live a life where I intentionally put my own needs first and foremost, And it's only by doing that, by investing in myself, that I can become the person that I desire to be that is able to serve others, my wife, my kids, and my community, my clients, my friends, at the highest level. I can't serve them at the highest level by putting everyone else's needs and not focusing on my own needs, especially in this first area of physical activity, regular exercise. It just wasn't something that was conditioned in me throughout my lifetime as a priority through most of my adult life, starting around 18, 19, 20 years old. I had been an overweight individual. I had pretty much accepted that as a part of my identity. Everyone knows that if you're an incredibly obese adult human being, you're not out there doing a lot of physical activity. It was just accepted, and it certainly was accepted in my own life. As a result of all of those countless number of hours put into, invested into my business, putting everyone else's needs above my own, always saying, you know what, I've just got to get this done. I just got to get this done. I just got to get this out there. I got to get this done for this person. And still just barely making ends meet financially. As a result of that and not working out, not having regular physical activity, And on top of all the stress, the anxieties, the fears, the worries, the emotional roller coasters, I mean, I had the wildest, the best, most exciting first year in business in my life. It's like the highest highs emotionally. But I also, during that first year of business, experienced my lowest lows emotionally, All of that stress, all of that anxiety, all of that lack of sleep, which we'll get into a little bit in a few moments with another practice, but all of those things contributed, and practice number two will also contribute to this, but I ended up in the hospital at the end of the very first year after doing a 24-hour non-stop podcast marathon, where I recorded 24 podcast episodes in 24 hours, and I published all 24 episodes as I was going along. It was insane. I just wanted to celebrate our first year in business, and I did, and right after that live stream was done and right after I published the 24th episode, I went upstairs to lay in bed because I was in physical agony, but I couldn't find any place whatsoever. No, There was no position whatsoever that would allow me any easing of this pain that I was experiencing in my body and I ended up asking Stephanie to take me to the hospital. We went to the emergency room, and then I was in the hospital for two weeks where I almost died. And all of this is a result of no physical activity, not taking care of myself, and the lack of practice number two, which we'll get into. Let me just go ahead and pull up practice number two now and tell you that practice number two is proper nutrition, eating healthy foods. See, the thing is, is, My lifestyle at the time, even before starting my business, was that of a normal, typical, greasy, sugary, carb-loaded, fatty diet. That's just what it was. I ate cheeseburgers and french fries and tater tots and sugar like nothing else, bags of chips. And I was nonstop on, everything. And as a result of my weight as where it was, and as a result of the type of foods that I was eating, I was beginning to experience what's called hypoglycemia. My, What in my system would happen would be I would eat something that was full of carbs or sugar. My sugar levels in my body would rise, and then my insulin would kick in to counteract that. And I had a condition that my insulin wouldn't shut off when my sugar levels went back to their normal rate. Instead, my insulin would continue to be released into my bloodstream, which would cause me to have low blood sugar. And if I didn't do something about that, my blood sugar could get so low that I would pass out. I was not in a practice of regular exercise, and I was not in the practice of regular nutrition. And as a result of all of this stuff, every time I had that, that low sugar, I would immediately have to go and grab another sugary snack or another carb-loaded snack. And to sustain enough energy for me to stay awake and work all of these hours, it was terrible. It was caffeine-induced, carb-induced, sugar-induced energy. I just had to continue to power through, and as a result of that, I basically destroyed my gallbladder, and I my body was filled with gallstones, and one of them was stuck in in what's called my cystic duct. And so this is what happened. It landed me in the hospital, and I almost died. So that was my wake-up call. <laughs> that is where things really started to shift in my life. And today, I count it as one of the greatest blessings of my life that all of that took place. I am thrilled for the wake-up call because I came out of that experience with a desire to figure out what can I do in my life so that... I can still do this business that I know for a fact is a part of my greatest calling, my mission in life. You see, I knew that I could not go back to a lifestyle of an employee. I couldn't go back to the family business as an insurance agent. I did hold on to my license for selling auto, home, life, and health insurance and commercial insurance. I held on to all of those licenses for one year. But right after I got out of the hospital, it was time for me to renew all of those licenses in spite of how challenging and how difficult that year was, the highest highs and the lowest lows, and the fact that I almost died as a result of my complete lack of self-care with practice number one, which is regular exercise and physical activity, and practice number two, proper nutrition, I still knew for a fact there's no way I'm going to go back that I have experienced too much of the freedom that exists for me as a full-time self-employed business owner. As challenging as it was, I knew this was the lifestyle for me. I just knew that something had to change about practice number one, practice number two. And so I started a routine practice of exercise in January, actually February of 2009. And for me, it started out with 10,000 steps a day. And I didn't start out with 10,000 steps a day, but it was a 10,000 steps a day program. I had heard about a man named Jim Dobson, James Dobson. He used to run a ministry called Focus on the Family, I think is what it was. And I had heard about him having a heart attack. And after a heart attack, he had lost a lot of weight and had gained a lot of recovery and health benefits from his commitment to walking every day, and he talked about this practice of walking 10,000 steps a day, and he got himself a pedometer. So for me, what I did is I went out and got myself a little pedometer from a sporting goods store, I think it cost like $10 or $15. I put it on my belt buckle every morning as soon as I got out of bed and got dressed, And what I did after I got out of the hospital is before I was able in release to do regular exercise by my doctor, they said, you need some time to recover. I said, great. So the first thing I did was I tracked how many steps am I walking each day just working at home, doing the routine, the schedule of exactly of what I just talked about, the fact just walking down the hallway, going downstairs to my office, coming up a couple of times and then going to bed at the end of the night. Turns out, I was walking somewhere between 350 to 450 steps a day, every day, pretty much seven days a week. Almost no steps at all, and I'll never forget when they cleared me. They said, "Okay, you can do as much physical activity as you want. Just keep it to walking for now, and and I, and 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 then slowly move yourself up." But really, other than that as soon as you feel comfortable doing more than walking then then feel free to do so everything should be recovered enough for you to do that i went out the first day and i'm thinking it's like okay how many steps am i going to do probably not ten thousand steps which i now learned is a i guess was it about five miles is what ten thousand steps is i can't remember it's been a long time since i was doing the ten thousand steps a day what i did do is i'm like okay i'm going to go out and see how many steps i can do i'm going to do as many steps as i can And then I will use that as my goal. So I went outside, had my pedometer on. It was a beautiful spring day. And I, in front of my house, started walking down our street in the neighborhood, pretty lengthy, long long street, what would be in New York City, maybe about seven or eight blocks of city blocks. But anyway, I walked all the way down to the end of our street where it dead ends And by that time, I was out of breath. My hip was in excruciating pain, out of breath. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is, okay, this is enough. And so I made it all the way back home, and it turns out that I walked about 800 steps. That's it. I walked 800 steps during that walk. And so what I made a commitment to doing is that first week, I'm going to walk 1,000 steps a day, Every day, so I am going to somewhere by the end of the day. I am going to record a minimum of one thousand steps, and so I did one thousand steps a day every day for two weeks. Then I went for two thousand steps a day for a week, and then I did that all the way up until um, just a couple weeks later, I was walking ten thousand steps a day. Now, somewhere along that journey, it all started with physical activity. It all started with self care practice number one. But self-care practice number two, proper nutrition, eating proper foods, came to me as I was walking, I was listening to a podcast at the time, it's no longer available, but it was Dr. Monty, and he did a podcast called Fitness Rocks. And this was a doctor who read a lot of medical journals and latest studies on fitness and nutrition, and he was talking about the fact that it seems like the Mediterranean diet is the most appropriate diet for health and longevity, and what he's saying is diet is by understanding that as the term of being the typical foods that these people eat in the Mediterranean area. These are the longest living people on the planet, and so I can't even remember all the categories of it, but it was lean meat, fish and chicken, nuts, beans, Uh, and uh, vegetables and and stuff like that, and whole grains, whole foods. So I began thinking, wow, I'm doing all of this physical activity. I'm listening to this podcast content. It doesn't make a lot of sense for me to continue to be sabotaging the health benefits of all of this physical activity by what I'm eating. And one of the things that I learned is that you can't out- perform, you can't do enough physical activity to outperform what I'm doing in my food intake. And so I began at the time to eat a Mediterranean style diet. As a result of those two things together, I was just losing weight like crazy. Of course, I was nearly 300 pounds at the time. And as a result of that, I had a lot of excess weight, which is kind of like carrying around a rucksack. If you know anything about rucksacks, I just had one built in. As a result of it, I was losing a lot of weight, and I did for about 18 months, and I was on such a, what I would say, perfect streak, and it was inspiring so many people, and I'm like, oh, this is exciting. This is awesome. I think it was an, it lasted all the way until 2011, so this, this went on for quite some time, and then I caught the flu in November 2011, and I did not know that I had the flu, but I flew all the way to the West Coast. I was doing some stuff with Blog World New Media Expo out there. It turns out I, I like had this high pressure sense of pain every time I got up at altitude. It felt like I was about ready to pass out, and I called the doctor, and they said, hey, before, you know, you, you came in to get tested. Your results come in. You have the flu, and I'm like, you didn't tell me this, you just told me that I just had a little, you know, bronchitis, and they said, no, you have the flu, so they called me in some medications, and I was out for probably two or three days, laying in this hotel room, not leaving my room, I couldn't leave my room, I didn't have the energy to leave my room, and unfortunately, the only type of foods that were available to me was room service, Being the picky food eater that I am and all this other stuff, I'm like, listen, I I know this is just for temporary, but of course, what did I do? I I need some energy, and I'm going to eat some, and what do I, I, I ordered like a pizza, or I ordered a burger and fries, and it's been forever since I've eaten these foods. Not only am I eating these foods I haven't eaten in such a long time, but I'm also doing absolutely no physical activity where I had had a perfect record of walking 10,000 steps a day every single day. Over a couple of days, I started to feel better. And then when I got home, I was you know trying to catch up on all the things at work. And, and just the mentality that I had and the belief system that I had at the time it just calls me that was like, well, gosh, I've ruined my perfect record. Look at this. I've gained, how many pounds have I gained since I went out to the West Coast and now I've gained pounds and I'm so far behind on work. There's no way I can get caught up. It doesn't make sense for me to get out there and, you know, why don't I just eat something quick and, of course, at this time, I'm back on the sugar train of up and down, up and down and one thing's led to another And over the course of about six months, I'm no longer engaged in regular physical activity and I'm no longer eating healthy food. And as a result of those two practices being tossed out the window once again in my life, I got back all the way up to nearly 300 pounds. Now, during the next couple of years, I had a couple of starts where I said, I'm going to get back at it. You know, I I don't want to get to the place where I did where I was in the hospital. So, I'm going to do this again. And I would succeed for four weeks. I would succeed for six weeks. But ultimately, I had this roller coaster. Where I, I would get back on and get back off of the health and fitness journey. And this lasted for a long time until November 2014. And that is the day my life changed. And I've talked about this journey in the past, but I'll just quickly say that because of a very special mentor in my life and the insights that he had shared with me and through this entire process I've been studying personal and professional development. So there's a lot of key things that are happening during these years of of gaining greater mastery over my physical health. But what I found is that up until November 2014 all of these insights as it relates to personal and professional development, I've been pouring all of it into my business success. And as a result of that, my income is through the roof. I mean, at this point, I'm generating $200,000, $300,000, $400,000 a year, $750,000 in one 12 month period of time. And it's just like, okay, I obviously have succeeded in figuring out how to financially prosper in my business. But by November 2014, again, I'm almost weighing 300 pounds and I'm not eating healthy. And as a result of a special mentor in my life, he says, hey, I'd like to mentor you if you'd be willing to make these commitments. And here are some of the commitments. He said, number one, I want you to read my book, Fully Alive. And this is a book called Fully Alive by Ken Davis. The second one is he says, I want you to read a book called Younger Next Year. He says, the third thing after you read that book, I want you to make a commitment that you will work out six days a week, every week, and here's the kicker, for the rest of your life. And I got to tell you, that one both scared me to make that commitment, but also there seemed to be something exciting about making a commitment of doing something for the rest of my life. I had never considered making such a bold statement and also six days a week every week he says another commitment that i want you to make is that eventually three to four days a week is going to be cardio or aerobic based exercise but two days a week or three depends on where you go and what you want to achieve will be devoted to strength training building muscle mass And then finally, there is one other commitment that I will ask you to make if you want to have me as your mentor. In six months from now, it would have been May of 2015, there is a triathlon in Nashville. It is a sprint triathlon. And if I remember correctly, it was 200 or 300 yards of swimming, 11 miles on a road bike, and then I think it was two or three miles of running and he says you've got 6 months to prepare for that and you must complete this triathlon with me if you're a go for those i would love to mentor you this was somebody that meant an incredible amount to me and it was an answer to a lot of prayer and the time was just right and i and because of some things that had happened in my life and i'm like listen i I say that I want to help people in this way, and I want to help people beyond the technical aspects of podcasting, breaking free from anything that's holding them from living the life that they feel called to live. So far, it's been about building a business, having a message out there, influencing people's lives. But one area where I'm not living the life for which I was created is in my health and physical fitness. I have let this slide again, and I need to get this taken care of, and so I made that commitment, and... From November 2014 until 2020, I succeeded like no one else. It was incredible. I lost over 100 pounds of body fat. I put on over 20 pounds of pure muscle mass. I got down all the way down to 180 pounds. I started out right below 300. All right. So, it was just incredible. Now, during that time there were a couple, you know working out a minimum of 6 days a week every week for the rest of my life. I lived that for a majority of it. and um, There were a handful of times, like two different times during the first few years where I had an upper respiratory infection. One time it did turn into bronchitis and I was told I, I need to take two weeks off and I did that. And then as soon as that two weeks and I was it's like, okay, boom, I'm back at it. And I was just so excited and, and just that, again, that track record of success and because I was doing that, I was starting to eat healthy again. Right in the middle of that journey, I was introduced to the ketogenic lifestyle, which was a huge boost forward in whole new levels. I'm not recommending it for anyone here. It's just my own experience. But it was, it was powerful. I can't begin to tell you what just how much it felt to be that in control over my own physical well-being the results on my blood tests from my medical checkups, my cholesterol was perfect, blood pressure, perfect, triglycerides, perfect, everything, where before, let's just say they weren't perfect, all right? There was talk about being put on diabetes medicine and medications for blood pressure had already been prescribed, but those were messing with my sinuses, and so I stopped taking them. There was all sorts of other things that were just, the precursor of, and this physical activity, this absolute commitment to practice number one, practice number two, regular exercise and proper nutrition, they radically changed my life. Now, I would love to tell you that I have not faltered anywhere whatsoever since then, but here's what I wanna share with you. So if we go to 2020 minus 2015, cuz we're going to we're going to just consider all of the you know the full year i had 5 years of what i would consider perfection uh, but by perfection i just mean that let, let's just say 95% of the time i'm living up to all of my stuff the other 5% I, i'm either sick and the doctor has told me please do not work out give yourself the time to rest and and relax and and your immune system fight this off or I'm traveling. You know, the fact is, is that I have to get up at four o'clock in the morning, make it to the, to, to the airport because of where we live and where I'm going. I'm going to be on this flight for 18 hours, I think was what it was to go to New Zealand and, and stuff like that. And it's like, listen, there is no way you're getting a full workout in today. You've got to make all of these different connections and you're going to be on a flight. It's just, just not going to happen. So, there were a handful of travels throughout there, but 95% of the time, for five years straight, it was awesome. But little not-so-well-known fact, I haven't talked about it a lot publicly here, but I will share with you authentically. When COVID hit, right after, what was that, March of 2020, My routine and my identity is I'm a guy who works out six days a week, every week for the rest of my life. That's who I am. My routine for five years is that's done at the gym. So much so that I invested practically about 90 minutes to somewhere, sometimes a little over two hours a day, six days a week at the gym. I was a gym rat. I absolutely loved the gym. The drive to the gym was a time for me to grow in my personal professional development, the materials that I would listen to, but the the workout at the gym, that was where my physical activity was. I'm not blaming this all on COVID, but I will tell you right now, they shut down the gym. They shut down the entire world. Nobody, nobody was allowed to enter this gym. As a result of that, I'm like, okay, well, I I have, a, I have a, my own gym in my own house. I actually literally have a room in my house that has everything I need to get an incredibly powerful workout, every single type of workout that I would want to do for cardiovascular, aerobic exercise, and strength training. I could do all of that here in my home. Probably have about $8,000, $9,000 worth of equipment in that room. Did I use it during those first few months of lockdown? I admit to you, no, I did not. I did not. My workouts became the consistency of going out for a 30-minute walk outside because getting out of this house was absolutely a priority for me. And so during COVID, my workouts went from intense workouts outside to going for a 30-minute walk outside. Now, I did maintain pretty much an average of working out six days a week, but my workouts were they they were they were they were nothing, quite frankly. And it took a while. and And since COVID, it's it's been an on and off again journey with regular, real, intense activity. And 2023 is the year that I'm committed to re-engaging that practice beyond the quote-unquote technically I got to work out in and going all in, pushing hard. Now, I will explain to you something. This is something I share in my Train with Cliff audio journal podcast. If you haven't heard about it, check it out, trainwithcliff.com. I talked about in that podcast about some health issues that started to show up for me in November. No doubt some of it relates to the fact that I have let some of these practices, the first two practices go. Not only did my physical activity not stay engaged over the, since COVID, the way that it had for the five years leading up to COVID, but also over time I started to get more and more relaxed in my eating lifestyle. I'm not recommending to you what proper nutrition is for you, but to understand that a self-care practice that is essential is number one, regular exercise and physical activity, and number two, proper nutrition. When I have these two things, my life just is so incredibly awesome. It impacts my relationship with my wife, impacts my relationship with my kids, it impacts my emotional state, and it impacts the way that I show up in my business. Keeping these two practices on key is absolutely essential for me, and it's something that I have not been perfect with, and if there's any reason why I'm sharing such depth and detail with you, is because I want you to understand, you do not have to be Perfect. You don't have to live up to the thoughts and feelings and expectations of what would other people say if they knew this. Forget about it. All right. So what is practice number three? Adequate sleep and rest. Now, this is something that I haven't struggled with for quite some time. Ever since I have figured out by getting enough sleep and getting enough rest and by eliminating stress, anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, and lack of confidence from my lifestyle. And by the way, I have pretty much eliminated those things. Occasionally, some of it, you know, some of it pops up a little here and there. Something, you know, an old belief system gets triggered or what have you. But that never really lasts for more than a day or so. And sometimes I can nip it in the bud within as little as 15 to 20 minutes. I experience it. I'm aware of it. I have some strategies, some techniques that allow me to process it, allow myself to experience it, but immediately evaluate what is the source of this? What what do I have to believe to experience this emotional state as a result of this circumstance? And I'm able to clearly identify the limiting, untrue, false beliefs that trigger that because What I know to be true is that everything in life is meant to serve me, and and I'm thankful for those experiences and the awakening that allows me to find some more conditioned stuff in my subconscious mind that does not serve me. What I discovered is adequate sleep and rest gives me access to greater creativity in my life. In fact, I learned the power of my subconscious mind. Also I I learned about what happens in my body as I am sleeping especially if I'm have great physical activity if I'm eating nutritiously if I'm eating in the proper hours of the day and all of this other stuff wow the incredible restorative ability of my body to repair what is going on through the wear and tear of my daily life. It is insane. It's like, wow, how could I not allow my body to do that? Now, I'm not going to prescribe to you how many hours of sleep at night you get. There's all sorts of studies that tell you all sorts of different things. All I'm saying is adequate sleep is an essential self-care routine, and rest is actually a separate part of sleep, and not just sleeping at night, but Michael Hyatt, Turned me on to this thing called the power nap. Many years ago, I have made a regular practice of having a power nap. I probably at least five and sometimes up to seven days a week, every week for as many as seven or so years, maybe more, I've taken a 30-minute nap every day, sometimes a little bit more than 30 minutes sometimes significantly more to, more than 30 minutes if I allowed myself to not get the most amount of hours that I'm typically used to in the evening sometimes I would get up at four o'clock in the morning eager to start my day and I'm like wait a second I just got four hours of sleep and so I allow myself to maybe take a two-hour nap later in the day perfectly fine but getting adequate sleep and adequate rest not only is there restorative and effects and restoring your immune system and just all of this repair stuff happening in the body. It's also allowing my memory to process all that stuff and store it and make all the synapses and all these things happen. And there is a greater access to creativity and my subconscious mind can go to work. So one of the things that I have learned is if there's ever anything that I'm, some situation or problem or obstacle that stands in my way in my business And I can't figure out what is the solution here. I'll think about it for a little bit. And if I recognize that a solution isn't coming to me easily, a decision isn't easily made in this scenario, if I've efforted enough and the solution hasn't made itself available, then what I do is I will go to my journal, which is going to be a practice that I'll talk about in just a moment. And I'll write out what I intend to experience as far as a solution. It's like, I'm, I'm going to, here's here's the situation that that I see. Here's the circumstances I'm facing. Here's the potentials that that could happen here. This is what, I, I need some sort of breakthrough. I haven't thought of a breakthrough yet. I'm getting ready to take a nap. And who knows, maybe by the time I get up, I will feel, be will, filled with inspiration and Every single time I do that and I lay down to take a nap and I get up, it never fails. There's an idea, there's inspiration, and it just comes to me. And I'm like, yes, here's what I'm going to do. I have clarity. So adequate sleep and rest. Check it out. It's good stuff. Practice number four, setting time boundaries. Now, this is something that I have been become a master at currently in this season of my life since October 2019. Now, I've heard about time blocking and setting boundaries for many years, and I've had varying degrees of success, but this is one area that I've experienced a lot of success with lately. Here's what I did. It was October 2019. I had read an article somewhere about creating your ideal work week. So I'm a Google Calendar user and I'm a coach so I host paid mastermind groups and I do a lot of one-on-one coaching calls and I'm a prolific content creator. My Google Calendar is where I store all of the activities that I'm doing on a weekly basis, especially those commitments to be with certain people at certain times for coaching calls and mastermind groups. Prior to setting time boundaries, I was available from Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's free-for-all. That's when I work. I don't work outside of those. By by the way, that alone is a good time boundary, and it might be a place where if you're not used to having time boundaries, you may want to consider I will not do anything related to my work before 9 a.m., And never do anything related to my work after 5 p.m. That means not checking your emails. That means not scheduling any calls before 9 a.m. That means not outlining anything. That means not writing anything. That was just like, listen, there's no business activities. Setting time boundaries. So what I did, I already had my mastermind groups were scheduled Wednesday morning and Thursday evening, I decided instead of letting my clients choose their 90-minute times, anytime Monday through Friday between 9 a.m., some people would choose a call starting at 9 a.m., sometimes it would be 11.30 would be the start of a call, sometimes it'd be 1 or 2.30 or whatever, and people could just choose anywhere throughout my day, and I could actually have, in essence, sometimes three or potentially even four Coaching calls with almost no margin in between calls. Eventually, I got to the places like, "Hey, never let anybody schedule a call with less than thirty minutes buffer." And so that that started to limit it to three calls per day. But what happened was, I'm like, "Okay, I want to create my ideal work week. What if I only worked Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday?" And I had every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday off, four-day weekends, every weekend. What would have to happen? What would I have to commit to to make that a reality? I already had the Wednesday group of the Next Level Mastermind at 9.30 a.m., and I already had the p.m. group of the Next Level Mastermind. It's the only thing I do during the evenings. It's at 7.30 to 9 p.m. for those who still have a day job is the idea there. So I have those two meetings. I began to say, okay, nobody can schedule a call with me on Monday or Friday, and nobody can just pick the time start at their will. If they're going to choose to work with me in a one-on-one capacity, they could choose 1030 in the morning to start a call, one o'clock in the afternoon to start a call, or 330 in the afternoon to start a call. I made those time blocks the only time blocks people could choose. So I had on Tuesdays, my commitment was to fill all of these spots with either current clients or potential clients using what's called the Prosperous Coach System. Tuesdays, I would have a call at 10.30 in the morning every Tuesday. I'd always have at least an an hour between the end of that call and the start of the next one. Then I would have a call at 1 o'clock, and I would have some time in between that and my 3.30 call. It would go until five. So I would have three calls on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, I'd have my AM group at the next level mastermind. I'd have my green room mastermind. I would have a time for lunch. And I think I put in content production in Wednesday afternoon. On Thursday, there was only two one-on-one coaching opportunities. There's 10.30 in the morning and 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And I didn't do anything at 3.30 in the afternoon because I had the PM group, the Next Level Mastermind, and I wanted that block of time. All of that blocked out, everything known ahead of time. And so for the next year, I only worked Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I had every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday with no scheduled commitments with anyone, and that included no scheduled activity to create content or anything of that nature. All of the things, all activities in my business that was necessary to operate and also market my business all happened Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday within those timeframes, at those time blocks, those boundaries of time it was the most prosperous and profitable in time margin, financially, everything of my life ever. And this was during the pandemic even. And my business, I was generating an average of $29,500 per month. I'm a solopreneur, I have no team members. I do everything in my business pretty much on my own, except for once a month, Stephanie comes in and we do accounting together. So $29,500 a month, every month, consistently for 18 months straight, only working about 15 hours a week. It was the greatest time of my life, setting time boundaries. Now, my schedule doesn't look like that right now. I said, you know what? I want to actually start having a little bit more margin on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I started working Mondays and Fridays again. And what I did is I said, listen, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, every morning at 1030, I'll have one call. And then Monday, Tuesday, and Friday, I will have a 3.30 call. I have seven 90-minute one-on-one coaching calls every week now. But they're a set at, you know, 10.30 in the morning and 3.30 in the afternoon on those days of the week. And I still have the AM group and PM group where they were before. And I still have time on Wednesdays and Thursdays now for content creation instead of working about 15 hours a week or whatever, I'm probably working closer to 18 to maybe 20 hours a week. But if you were to look at this calendar, and how I did is I created a Google calendar, brand new Google calendar called my ideal work week. And I unchecked my regular calendar and I just put it in and say, okay, I want these time blocks every single week to look like this. If you were to look at this, Every single day, from the time my morning coaching session ends before my next afternoon, 3.30 p.m. coaching session starts, three and a half hours every day, completely non-scheduled, nothing for me to do. Now, I can work in my business if I want to, but most of those days, because I have set time boundaries... I can go out for a two or three hour lunch with Stephanie. I could work on a couple of projects if I want to. I could do some things that are fun for me. I could take a nice long nap if I want to in the middle of every single day of the week. I want to encourage you to dabble with setting some constraints on your time. All right. Practice number five, mindfulness and meditation. I never really understood the value or even what mindfulness and meditation was until the pandemic. This was just not a something that I was ever brought up with. In fact, there were a few things where I was conditioned to think that it's a practice that should be avoided, especially when it comes to certain types of meditation. But I have since broken free from all of those limiting beliefs and I have fully embraced practically every form of meditation that's out there. I've been dabbling with it for the last several years of my life. It has transformed everything my experience of this world in ways that I, I'm i not going to be able to explain in this piece of content here. But what I will tell you is that my life is different. Everything about my life is different as a result of mindfulness and meditation. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to Read to you uh, uh, what I have as an outline because the question is what's the difference between mindfulness and meditation? And I just want to read to you something that I have written down here. Mindfulness and meditation are often used interchangeably, but they are actually two distinct practices. Mindfulness refers to the act of being present and fully engaged in the current moment without judgment. It involves paying attention to your thoughts and feelings in a non-reactive way and can be practiced in any activity, not just during meditation. So you can practice mindfulness without practicing meditation. Meditation, on the other hand, is a specific practice that involves focusing the mind on a particular object, thought or activity to train attention and awareness. It is often used as a tool to cultivate mindfulness, but it is not the same thing as mindfulness. There are many different types of meditation, such as mindfulness meditation, concentrative meditation, and loving kindness meditation, each with its own unique focus and techniques. Now, what I will tell you is that that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of the other types of meditation that are out there. There is Zen meditation, there is Kriya-related meditation, there is transcendental meditation, I have absolutely fallen in love with meditation. If there's been another area of my life where I have been mastering it, it, this would be another one. And again, this isn't all about perfection and stuff like that. If I were to fall off the wagon for a couple of days and a couple of weeks, it's perfectly fine. I can get back on. But I use the Insight Timer. You can find this at insighttimer.com. It is a free app. They do have a paid version. You don't really ever need the paid version. The paid version does al- it allows you to go back and fast forward through guided meditations, which, hello, you shouldn't really need to do that, except for the fact that there were times I wanted to actually see, is this a meditation that I'm going to like? Fast forward two minutes into the meditation to see if, if it's got the vibe that I'm looking for. That does require a premium subscription, but it's really cheap for the year. You could use this app forever for free and it could transform your life. There's tons of meditations. Right now, at this very moment, there are 15,322 people around the world right at this very moment as I'm recording this, meditating using this app right now. There are millions of people who use this app. I'm one of them. It does track how much time you're meditating. So since I started using this app, I have done a total of 367 total days of meditation, not all of those consecutive, but I am currently on a streak of 318 consecutive days. My total number of minutes spent in meditation is 16.8 thousand minutes. And what I have experienced during those 16.8 thousand minutes of meditation is... It is beyond what words can describe. I have experienced the most calm, the most peace, the most presence, the most in the moment, the most connectedness with God. Some of the most wildest experiences that defy explanation, mindfulness and meditation. This is the one area of my life where I have been able to say for the last three years of my life, I experience peace, love, and joy every moment of my life, regardless of any outside circumstance. During the last three years, there have been very significant circumstances that in the past would have triggered me into anxiety, fear, worry, self-doubt, and lack of confidence. Those things do not exist in my regular occurrence of life anymore, even though, as I've stated earlier, that I have not been faithful in the last couple of years since COVID with practice number one, regular physical activity and exercise at the level that that I know that I'm really committed to what that means, and proper nutrition, In spite of the lack of those things, and in spite of sometimes having some pretty significant challenges financially show up in my business, in spite of the situations that have occurred with family and friends and certain other outside circumstances, I have stuff hit the fan just like everyone else. My experience of life is not that I'm outside of it and and these things aren't happening to me just like they are to you. It's just that through mindfulness and meditation, I have experienced so much beyond what this world seems to be that it doesn't phase me in the way that it used to, unless I get really totally identified with myself as the beliefs. I'm gonna say one one thing that I've learned through mindfulness and meditation is that I am not my beliefs, I am aware of my beliefs. I am the believer, not the beliefs. I could go into so much more detail, and if you ever want to chat and talk about the various different ways that mindfulness and meditation could radically transform your experience of life, your experience of relationships, and your experience of business, and as it relates to how to eliminate guilt, shame, anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, not that those things won't come up again in the future, but all of those things will just be indicators of some things that need to be released, which, and when I say things that need to be released, limiting beliefs that are holding you back. And you'll start to be excited when you get triggered momentarily into some guilt or shame, and it's like, oh, I am not ashamed. I am aware that I currently have a situation that's occurred, and it's triggered the feeling of shame within me. I am aware of this. I am not shamed. I am aware of experiencing the feelings associated with shame. I wonder if I can evaluate where that's coming from. Mindfulness and meditation absolutely has rocked my world, and I think it could rock yours as well. Practice number six, personal and professional development. It has been since getting out of the hospital in January 2009 that took me from what I talked about. Barely ever being able to make ends meet financially struggling to charge people money feeling like a fraud feeling imposter syndrome who am i to expect people to pay me and and see me as an influencer and all of those other things i i struggled with my physical lack of physical activity my lack of proper nutrition every other practice on here i struggled with everything Until I began to be motivated to work on myself and I had to first overcome the hangups that I had been conditioned to have about self-help, self-improvement. Even today, people that I love and respect, I hear them talk about their, their own reading journey. Sometimes when they talk about a book that they, ra- they read and somebody that I very much love says, so I'm reading this book and, you know, it's one of those self-help books and 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 stuff like that. And I, I know, you know, I don't want to go all woo-woo into the self-help and blah, blah, blah. And I know it sometimes can be overly self-indulgent and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, stop it. There's nothing wrong with self-help. There's nothing wrong with self-empowerment. There's nothing wrong with putting your self-care first. In fact, there's this scripture that says, the greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and inner being. And then the second commandment is equally important. And in fact, these two commandments, if you put them together, they sum up everything that God would desire for our life. And that second commandment, love others. How? As you love yourself. So the more you love yourself, give that same love to others, and that's how you live out a godly life love yourself first put your own oxygen mask on and 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 so through that i had to overcome the hang-ups of self-help self-empowerment self-love this is selfish i, I once i overcame that and it took me time to get over it but I began to study all of these books about self-help and self-empowerment and strategies and tools and techniques about how to break free from the, the financial beliefs, how to break free from all this other trauma in my life. And as a result of devoting myself to unceasing personal and professional development, I have seen every single area of my life transformed. And some of you have been following me for the last 17, 18 years that I've been creating podcasts. Actually, it's been just over 17 years that I've been creating podcast content online. And those of you who know me, knew me back then, 17 years ago, 15 years ago, 14 years ago, even 10 years ago. If you knew then what my life looks like, if you want to know how I got here, it's through unceasing personal and professional development. This also is a practice that I still consistently crush today. And that's one where I am devoted to a minimum of one to three hours a day. Sometimes I've invested about five to six or sometimes upwards of seven hours in a single day reading, studying, learning, and taking notes. I'm obsessed with personal and professional development. It's practice number six. And then the final practice, journaling. Journaling is incredibly powerful. I have thousands and thousands of pages of physical handwritten journal entries. I have several thousands. I have a total of 4,700 podcast episodes. I have a podcast called Pursuing a Balanced Life. If you go to gspn.tv and you scroll all the way down, you'll see a show called Pursuing a Balanced Life. I think it was from 2006 all the way to 2016. So for for 10 years, I did a podcast called Pursuing a Balanced Life, 639 episodes of that show. That is 639 episodes of me doing audio journal format, just talking about my life, what I'm experiencing, and self-reflection, sharing my dreams, my hopes, my fears, my anxieties, my worries. 639 episodes, about an hour each, sometimes more, of me reflecting of my experience of a 10-year journey, going from employee to full-time self-employed. Then I started, I think it was 2018, The Train With Cliff Audio Journal podcast. Again, trainwithcliff.com. That's the second time I've mentioned it. I encourage you, sign up for this podcast today. Train With Cliff cliff.com read all of the reasons why you should sign up at trainwithcliff.com on the sales page but since 2018 343 audio journal updates that's what i've been learning the behind the scenes of everything that i do in my business but let me tell you when you are journaling it improves your self expression if you want to know how do i communicate so powerfully so openly so fluently It's because I am expressing myself in words all of the time, whether it's thousands of pages of handwritten journals, typed up journals, whatever kind of digital journaling that I do, or whether it is audio journaling, sharing my life and experiences and everything else through podcast audio content video content. There's thousands of videos on YouTube, live streams like I'm doing as I'm recording this content. It improves your self-expression. It improves your communication. There's nothing like self-reflection, introspection, evaluating who you are, what you believe, what your values are, why am I feeling the way that I feel, what beliefs are causing this, are these beliefs true, expressing your gratitude for the things that are showing up in your life. It gives you increased clarity, perspective, Personal and professional goals and challenges—they just start to make sense about what's going on, so that you can overcome. And not to mention the fact that through journaling, I th- one of the various. Just like there are probably at least a hundred or more different types of meditation, as far as journaling is concerned, I think that for the one thing I will tell you is that journaling is a form of meditation at times for me, but also. Speaking to God through handwritten letters in my journal has been one of the most incredible experiences right there with, let's just say, transcendental meditation and other various forms of meditation. Connecting, being one with God has been incredibly powerful journaling. So, let's wrap this up. What are the seven essential practices for self-care for the busy, self-employed professional? Practice number one, regular exercise. Practice number two, proper nutrition. Practice number three, adequate sleep and rest. Practice number four, setting time boundaries. Practice number five, mindfulness and meditation. Practice number six, personal and professional development. And practice number six, or seven, I'm sorry, journaling. These are the seven essential practices of self-care that will help you radically transform your life. Well, there you go. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Cliff Ravenscraft Show. I hope that you will start your journey of mastery of each of these seven areas of self-care. And just remember, you don't have to be perfect in any of these. You don't have to have streaks of days and weeks and months of any of these practices. It is okay for you to get into good habits of routine and then get steered off and drop the ball. All of these things are a part of our journey of life, of learning and growing, and each time you fall down, just make a commitment that you will always get up again and learn as much as you can about what caused you to fall. This is how life works. Hey, if you haven't done so already, I want you to check out one of four different ways that you and I could work together over the next coming days, weeks, months, or years ahead. If you would like to hear my voice, and the kind of content that I'm creating more consistently than what you're going to hear here in the Cliff Ravenscraft show or any of my other public-facing podcasts. I am available once a week, every single week, and sometimes even more over at trainwithcliff.com. In today's content, I mentioned this twice. I just encourage you to head over to trainwithcliff.com. Read everything on that page and see if it's right for you. The second thing I want to tell you about is the Free the Dream online course. Now, back in 2018 and 2019, Stephanie and I were working together to produce this annual conference called the Free the Dream Conference. This is all about breaking free from any limiting beliefs, thoughts, Emotions or behaviors that are keeping you from living the life you feel most called to live in this world. It was incredibly a powerful event. We paid many, many thousands of dollars to have this professionally video produced for us, and that is now available as a result of us having to shut down the conference for a couple years due to you know this thing that's been going on for the last several years. There's an online course version of this over at freethedreamcourse.com. It's currently available at a very low price, and I would encourage you to check it out over at freethedreamcourse.com. Then there are two other ways that you and I could work together. One is if you are full-time self-employed or you're on the verge of becoming full-time self-employed. If you would like to do life with a small group of professionally curated, high-standard-set kind of people who understand what life is like as a business owner, with other people who understand the types of risks that are necessary for us to take, the kind of decisions that you and I face the ups and downs of business, if you would like to be in a small group of people who have tried many different modes of action and strategies and plans and failed many times and then finally figured out a few things that work incredibly well, if you'd like to learn from all the things they learned through that process where maybe you see, hey, how did you do that? And they can actually tell you how to do it with less false starts, with less learning from failure. This is the most incredibly powerful thing I've ever done. I started this back in November 2017. It's called The Next Level Mastermind. And since then, over the past four years, every single week for 90 minutes, I've hosted two different groups. One meets on Wednesday mornings, One meets on Thursday evenings, and this is by far the most important work that I have done with these individuals. I've seen people radically transform their lives, many people who have signed up for the minimum of one year, about 40 people have gone through this and have been in this group for more than two or three, and some people have been in it since the beginning, And are still in it today. Check this out over at nextlevelmastermind.info. If you find yourself keep bumping against your upper limits in your business pursuits, nextlevelmastermind.info. I-N-F-O. And then, of course, no matter who you are, doesn't matter what your professional occupation is, it doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter at all what's going on in your life, if you continue to listen to my voice and the words that I speak resonate with you, if you are eagerly anticipating the next episode of anything that comes out because it speaks to your soul, it speaks to what your experience of life is, if you would like to have a coaching relationship one-on-one with me, That is available. On average, I usually bring on about one to three brand new clients usually every month because I work with people for typically one year, and it's just worked out that as some people finish up their one year, some of them renew. Usually about one to three slots per month open up for you and I to potentially have an opportunity to work together. So one-on-one coaching. All of them can be found in the show notes. All four options. Just click on the show notes, scroll all the way to the bottom. You'll see all four options there. I very much look forward to the potential of working with you over the days, the weeks, the months, and who knows, maybe even the years ahead. And Until next time, I encourage you to take everything, including your self-care, to the next level. Mindset. Man, it's a man.